Yeah, we both did. She went to college, too. I went to Normandale for about a year and a half. Yeah, that's where we met. But I dropped out, though. Yeah, she dropped. Yeah. So where are you girls from? Chaska. Lesueur. But I went to high school in White Bear Lake. Go Bears. Okay. I want you to tell me what these fellas looked like. Well, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. In what way? I don't know, just funny looking. Can you be any more specific? I couldn't really say. He wasn't circumcised. Was he funny looking apart from that? Yeah. So, you were having sex with a little fella then? Uh-huh. Is there anything else you can tell me about him? No. Like I say, he was funny looking. More than most people, even. What about the other fella? He was a little older. You know, he looked like the Marlboro Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But maybe I'm saying that, you know, because he smoked a lot of Marlboros. Uh-huh. You know, like a subconscious type of thing. Oh, yeah, that can happen. Yeah. Hey, they said they were going to the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, is that useful to you? Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. on the podcast uh, catch a show from Jose Feliciano have lunch at the Radisson and get a referral from Shep Proudfoot uh, this week we're talking about Fargo and 100 movies I love that's right uh-huh yeah <laughs> 100 um, movies you love yes um, and uh, the movie opens up um, this is a true story uh, Minnesota 1987 and it says names have been changed um, out of respect for the for the dead, the story is told exactly as it happened. Um, to honor the to honor the living, or names have been changed to protect the living. Right. The story has been told exactly as it happened. To honor the dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, it opens up with that 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 theme, that swelling like theme, like and almost complete whiteout. Yeah. You slowly see like a fence on the side, and there's mm-hmm. a vehicle coming at you. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a car with uh, yeah, headlights and yeah, driving through the snow, and that's Jerry driving, towing a car. And uh, you see him pull into pull into a bar. In uh, there in Fargo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and Carl and Gare, it's hard to say his name. Gare are there, and uh, uh, Jerry says, uh, "Ship Prophet sent me." And uh, he's like, "You guys all set?" And and Carl, uh, Steve Buscemi's character, is just. Yeah, Jerry, we're all set. Why wouldn't be? We wouldn't be. He's just, I don't know. An angry young man. Yeah, he's just hes just kind of a prick to, you know. Um, and uh, Carl says, I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. I'm not here to debate. Um, and he's basically saying, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You want your own wife kidnapped? He says, it doesn't make any sense. You know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um and uh, so Jerry explains, you know, well, see, my wife, she's wealthy. Her dad, he's real well off. And uh, they don't know I need the money. So there's that. And even if they did, I wouldn't get it. So there's that, too. Um, and uh, so they had their little meeting there. And uh, uh, Jerry gets home to his wife. And uh, her dad is there watching the golfers. 
uh, Minnesota's uh, college hockey team. Um, and uh, they're all at dinner, and the, the son is uh, son is going to McDonald's, and uh, his dad saying, what do you think to do there? They don't drink milkshakes, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like his, He thinks there's this nefarious stuff going on at McDonald's uh, just because the son wants to go hang out with his friends. And uh, Jerry talks to his uh, father-in-law. He's like, talk about the parking lot deal. He's like, this could work out good for me, Gene and Scotty. And his father-in-law says, Gene and Scotty never have to worry. That's a nice little yeah. dig at, at uh, Jerry when he says that. Let him know he's on his own if things yeah. go south. Right, right. And uh, so Carl, Carl and Dare are uh, in the car um, driving and... Uh, Gare, um, Peter Starmer's character, uh, says, where's Pancake's house? We stop at Pancake's house. I love his little, uh, just whatever, the way he talks, just kind of like, I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, really, the way he talks. And he barely says anything. I guess he's supposed to be uh, some foreigner that doesn't speak English too well. Yeah. You know. Yeah, true. true. But then again, everyone around them Speaks with a different accent than what a lot of the United States are used to. So true, true. You betcha. Yeah. Um, and uh, Carl says, "I want to go somewhere we can get a shot and a beer and, and get laid." Um, he said, "We'll stop at Brainerd." Um, uh, yeah, he says, I'll, "We'll stop. I know there's a place where we can get laid." Um, and uh, you get back to the uh, dealership and. And you see Jerry's a car, car salesman, and he's uh, waiting on this couple. And uh, he's talking about the, the true coat. You know, you need that true coat. Uh, you know, it'll rust right up without that true coat. And uh, the guy says, you're, you're, you're a fucking liar. You're a liar. Um, he basically put it on there and is charging for it, and then he says he'll give him a discount on it. Um, he's like, I, I don't okay. Let me go talk to my boss. And he just goes into the other room and said he, he wanted the Gophers game this weekend. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, you wouldn't happen to have an extra ticket? And he just looks at him like he's crazy. Um, and uh, he gets back and basically says, well, I'll knock on. Oh, he's never done this before, but I'll knock $100 off that true coat. And uh, basically they take the car. They're pissed off yeah. and they take it anyway. You say that he's he's shady for sure. He's dishonest. Yeah. Um, and then he, you see, uh, you cut to the hotel room where uh, Carl and Gare uh, both fucking the girls in the hotel room. And uh, and then you see him all laying in bed and uh, hear the Tonight Show theme on. So they're watching <laughs> watching Tonight Show. <laughs> um, there's a lot of uh, mixture of uh, just comedy and you know gruesome dark drama. humor, dark yeah, very dark humor. Um, and uh, the Coen Brothers, what else we expect? Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, um, his uh, father-in-law. Uh, Says uh, Stan Grossman says the deal is pretty sweet. Uh, come by to talk about it. Talking about his his parking lot deal. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Jerry goes to see Shep, Shep Proudfoot because then he realizes he probably won't need the money anymore, and he wants to cancel the deal. And you know, basically Shep is like, I, I don't vouch for him. the other guy. I don't I vouch for him. I don't vouch for the other guy. Um, a lot of talks about vouching in this movie. Um, and uh, it's interesting. Uh, it was 
much further into the movie when I realized who Shep Proudfoot's friend was. Mm-hmm. Throughout the whole movie, for some reason, I thought it was one character. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we realized it was the other one. Because mm-hmm. uh, they never really say, this is your buddy, this is your pal, this is his name. Right. They say, I vouch for him, I don't know the other guy, I don't vouch for them. Yeah. Shep, Shep says that. Yeah. And the other two, when they first meet Jerry, they don't really mention who's the friend of Proudfoot. Yeah. And with, watching through this time, I was like, oh, oh, makes it a little weird, a little different that uh, Jerry was the friend of Proudfoot, not the other guy, not Buscemi's character. It I, wasn't? I, I, I thought it was Buscemi's character, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't? It was not. Did you not get that? I don't know. I guess I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because uh, um, when uh, later on in the movie, when Proudfoot mm-hmm. takes the belt to mm-hmm. right. him, right. he tells him that, tell my friend this or the other. And he, he makes reference to the fact that the other guy's his friend, that he isn't. I don't know how I missed that. Um, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, never, I guess I never It is one of those little factoid things that you're kind of given early on, like here. Right. And even Prophet defines the, the relationship between the two characters, but they're not completely defined until later on. Yeah. Okay. I guess I never, I don't know. I guess I never picked up on that, apparently. Um, I noticed the uh, background music. Now, you wouldn't even be able to tell, um, but I watched it on Amazon Prime where has a thing called X-Ray and you can pause it at most any place and you can have a list of the actors and their character names, but also if there's music, it'll, in most cases it'll tell you what song it is. The background music when he's talking to Shep in the garage yeah. is uh, These Boots Are Made for Walking by Boy George. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah. So, and you couldn't even hear it. I mean, I guess if I had my TV on full blast, maybe I could hear it, but I couldn't. I don't. And so that's what's playing in the background. Very weird. Um, and uh, Carl and Gare are in the car together, uh, talking about Minneapolis. Have you ever been here before? And, uh, you know, he's trying to get Gare to talk. And it's the first thing you said in four hours. It's a fountain of conversation. And Carl says, oh, fuck it, I don't have to talk either. See how you like it. Total silence. <laughs> See how you like it, smart guy. <laughs> it's great how he keeps talking, but he's bothered, he's bothered by it. Um, so the second move in a row where we have a character doing something like that. The planes, trains, and automobiles when uh, Dell yeah. and he are on the plane. Yeah. And Dell's like, I, I won't see anything. No one wants a blabbermouth sitting next to him and just keep talking. Right, right. Yeah, true, true. Um, it's a great little funny way he keeps talking. You know, he can't stand it, although he acts like he doesn't care. Um, and you see Jerry back in the dealership. Uh, GMAC is on the phone uh, saying, I can't read the serial numbers. Uh, on one of the cars, and uh, what's the amount of that loan? Uh, the I was three hundred and twenty thousand. He's like, well, I don't want to fax you over a copy. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll shoot it right over to you. No, faxing's no good. We couldn't read the serial numbers, and he realizes he's definitely um, shady. He's done something, yeah, sh- very shady to get some money, right, right, and uh, right. Now, the only thing I'm I'm not too sure of here is, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the exact wording here. Oh, he, he does say a couple of, I've got the money already. Don't worry about it. So, obviously, this is why he has to raise the money. Mm-hmm. He's uh, done something shady to get money, mm-hmm. and now GMAC is going to pull their loan in. Mm-hmm. He's been putting off as much as possible, so now he's got to raise the money to get that. Yeah. And I guess uh, 
I guess he's not the 80,000 or early 40 or the 80,000 was going to do it mm-hmm. unless he was already already planning on telling, you know, his father in law it's, it's a million. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly, actually. Um, uh, I know one scene here coming up that I know was really crazy when I first saw it in theaters was uh, Gene at home. And uh, you see a man walking up with a ski mask and a crowbar, <laughs> just walking up on the porch. And she's just kind of looking at him. He's looking in the windows, like he's right. looking around, see what he can see. And it, yeah. It, why can't he see him? We can see him. And she's looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very uh, odd scene, you know, funny, but still like shocking. Like something's bad is definitely about to happen here. So they break in and, uh, you know, she she bites him. And uh, Gare saying, Ungoth, I need Ungoth. Which I've heard of. I don't even know what it is. It's like of, some primitive stops of bleeding. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he's in the bathroom. Um, the window's open. Presumably, you know, she left. She went through the wind, the bathroom window. But he's getting the stuff out of the medicine cabinet. And he looks back to the shower curtain and realizes she's hiding in the shower. And you see her. And she jumps out of the shower with the shower curtain over her. And once again... Shower curtain ring. Yeah, yeah, true. Two movies in a row. True, true. And it's pretty hilarious why she's running around screaming. Shower curtain over. She falls down the stairs. Shower when I first saw this, I thought she was dead by the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And spoiler, she wasn't. Right, right. And it's it's a great little hilarious uh, dark comedy thing that have the shower curtain that she falls down the stairs. Oh, now that I think about it. And I remember thinking of something along this line in the, during the movie. We never see her face again. Hmm. She's in the shower curtain. She's got a hood over her. Mm-hmm. She meets her fate. Yeah. We never see her face again. That's true. That's odd. Oh, it's deliberate. You know. Yeah. You dehumanize the, the victim and then. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Send them on their way. I never thought about that, actually. Yeah. Um, as soon as she's kidnapped, mm-hmm. um, her life's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the uh, Now we have uh, Jerry and Wade and Stan at the meeting. Um, and uh, basically they're talking about, uh, yeah, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty sweet deal. So what kind of finer's fee we're looking for? Talking to Jerry. He's like, my fee? The heck are you talking about? You know? <laughs> And it's like, well, we, we you know it's a good deal. We want to move forward with it. We just need to know your fee. And of course, he they want he wants him to give them the whole money. Uh, you know, basically like, you know, you're saying. And they said, Stan says you're saying. What are you saying? I, I guarantee you your money back. He's like, we're not looking. You're we're not, not a, a bank. We're not a bank. Right, right. There's nothing ironclad here. You know? I'm not talking about your goddamn word. You know. <laughs> Um, so basically he's wanting all the money up front to, to use. Um, and, uh, at this point he doesn't know his wife's already been kidnapped. Um, and, uh, so, uh, basically Jerry leaves disappointed. Um, he's not getting the money and he walks through the great visual, visually great scene here. He's walking through the empty parking lot. Very static shot. Yeah. Car in the parking lot. Yeah. Snow covered. Yeah. Yeah. And walking up to his car. Yeah. Middle nowhere practically. Mm-hmm. There's like there's no one around, yeah, and uh, he gets inside his car, and of course his uh, windshield is frozen over. 
So he's got to get out with the ice scraper and he's just pissed off and he starts basically hitting the ice scraper and, you know. That's an hissy fit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he comes home and uh, and there's a, you know, Jerry comes home and uh, there's signs of struggle and, uh, you know, he realizes that his wife's been kidnapped. Um, you hear him talking <laughs> to his father-in-law and saying she'd be kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Then he says it again in a different way. Then right. he says it again oh, in a different way. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Yeah. And then they, they slowly bring the camera on the show, and then he's in there kind of practicing what he's going to say. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great little that's a great little mislead. But you think he's actually broken up about it, and he's just practicing, rehearsing. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> what he's going to what going to tell people? Um, yeah, that's a that's a nice little thing they did here. Um, and then uh, you see um, Carl and Gare. Um, uh, pass by, um, you see Paul Bunyan, Bunyan statue, and uh, Gene is in the back seat with Hood over, and a uh, uh, cop pulls him over uh, just because they have the stuff, the tags, yep. whatever. And uh, Carl says uh, to Gene, uh, "Keep it, uh, keep it still back there, lady. We're, we're else we're going to have to shoot you." That's <laughs> great. He just like casually just uh, okay. And I, yeah, we're gonna have to shoot you. Um, the the cop comes up, the state trooper or whatever uh, comes up, shows him the license, uh, and he's got was a fifty dollar bill uh, sticking out of his wallet. Yeah, he's saying, "I thought we could just take care of this here in Brainerd, you know." Yeah, just solve this problem right now. Mm-hmm. Take care right now here in Brainerd. Yeah, yeah. He said, "What is this? What is this, sir?" Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, take care of this. He said, "Step out of the car, please." And uh, so Gare takes control here, pulls a gun out of the gun compartment, shoots the cop in the head uh, right over uh, Carl's lap. Yeah. And the uh, blood's spurting out. And he's just, and Carl is very disturbed by it. And Gare is not. He's just kind of like, whatever. That's the way it is. Yeah. And uh, so Carl's trying to drag the cop and the car drives up and the car looks at him. <laughs> Slowly drives past him. You see the the driver of the car. Yeah. Slowly looking at him. Big old doe eyes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they realize they gotta they take off. And then so Gary, Gary realizes it. He takes yeah, off. Gets right. the wheel. He takes off. Right. He chases the car, and all of a sudden the uh, headlights disappear. Because you can't see anything there but headlights and uh, or taillights. Yeah. And they're gone. He's looking for him, and you see the car flipped over on the side. So he, he goes down. This is a, a good shot. I really like it. It's, it's mm-hmm. nighttime. Mm-hmm. The light is from the moon. Mm-hmm. You see uh, <clears throat> the car on its back. You see the door wiggling. You see the guy and the one guy get out of the car. Mm-hmm. And as, as he starts running away from the field, Gare gets out of his vehicle, mm-hmm. all silhouette in front with the car lit up by the the, sun, the moonlight mm-hmm. and the other and the guy and the, the guy running in front of him. I think it's a great shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. It's uh and then he, he shoots that guy and then he goes down and uh his uh his wife or whatever is still in the passenger seat and he just you know points right at her face, shoots him, shoots her right there. And then the theme the theme song comes in again and you see Marge and Norm in bed. So you see Francis McDormand's character for the first time, a yep. good like thirty minutes, I think, into the movie. Um, you see the lead actress for the first time um and uh, the phone rings she gets the call about the crime and uh 
you know, you see her get to the crime scene um, and uh, the other cop is saying triple homicide. And he's describing each one of them. He's like, you know, you have the state trooper and this, the driver in this execution type deal. And uh, she says, from his footprint, he looks like a big fella, talking about Gare's character. And uh, they mentioned the DRR tag. Um, it's like, I guess the cop doesn't know DLR means dealer tag. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's across state lines or something. I don't know. Um, they tell a joke about the, there's a personalized plates joke. You know, did you hear about the guy that changed his name to eight six seven one five eight two because he didn't want to couldn't afford personalized plates? Um, That's kind of a really slow joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Wade, Stan, and Jerry are talking about uh, the ransom and everything. And uh, I just happened to, they're in a diner or whatever, and happened to hear Chuck Mangione's in the background. <laughs> uh, his songs playing in the background. Um, uh, they're talking about what's going on and, uh, you know, Jerry's saying, well, the, they didn't want the cops involved. No cops. Um, you get back to the uh, place where Carl and Gare are holding uh, Gene captive in that cabin. Um, and Gene's running around the snow with the, uh, the cover overhead falling down, you know, um, and it's pretty comical uh, the way she's running around. Um, now, Marge, uh, she interviews the two girls, the two girls that they were fucking, or I don't know if they are prostitutes or just girls, I don't know, but um, it is a pretty iconic uh, scene. Oh, you betcha. Little, yeah, the little guy, he was kind of funny looking. I don't know. He wasn't circumcised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he funny looking other than that? No, he's just kind of funny looking. Um, and they had a call back to it later on in the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they said, the other guy, he kind of looked like the marble man, although only maybe saying that because he smoked marbles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, and uh, you get back to uh, Carl's hitting the TV and the picture won't come in. He keeps hitting the uh, satellite on the TV and it's all static. Um, and the picture won't come in. He keeps hitting it and hitting it. Um, and eventually that fades into back at uh, uh, Marge's house. Her, her and her wife are uh, uh, talking, and uh, but uh, she's on the phone with uh, Mike Yanagida, um, and uh, they're talking about meeting up with because uh, she's going to be in Minneapolis meeting up someplace. Um, and uh, now Jerry asks uh, Carl, "How's Jean?" He says, "Who's Jean?" <laughs> That's my wife. And Carl says, blood has been shed, Jerry. We need more money. We need more money. And uh, so back at the dealership, again, GMAC calls um, um, and is talking to uh, Jerry about the loans, uh, basically that uh, more threatening. They're due. Mm -hmm. Much more threatening thing. Um, and at this point, the, uh, the good sheriff walks in. Is that right? At this point, where she walks, no, she's no, no, no this, is late. this is not right, like, yeah, um, not, not quite yet, yeah. Um, and you see Marge at the buffet, uh, with her husband, and you know, the one joke is, you know, she's pregnant, so she keeps yeah. talking about she keeps eating and eating and eating, and eating, uh, everything. Um, and uh, Marge gets the lead, uh, that uh, Chef Proudfoot made a call, um, so she knows, uh, um, 
to go to talk, basically to go to talk to Chef Proudfoot. Um, well, uh, the lead was uh, uh, from the hotel. You know, with the, with the phone calls from the hotel, they only three, a couple one. One was a private number, and it was to Chef Proudfoot. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and now uh, you see, uh, you see Carl at the uh, um, at the parking booth saying, "I did not decide not to park here. There's a minimum charge of four dollars." And uh, he's pissed off at the guy. He throws the four dollars at him. It's because um, he went there to basically steal the license plate, so he wouldn't have to get stopped again, mm-hmm. like he did, because he never intended to like, officially uh, register the vehicle. Right, right, right. And instead, what he should, you know, he should have just like, hey, here's Buffalo Bucks for a license plate. <laughs> yeah, no. Gone on, said he made a scene, someone could remember him. Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't that he wasn't wasn't too smart about it. No, but I think it was just a character builder for the guy who's a hothead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, um, uh, Marge goes talks to Ship about what's going on, and uh, so um, so this is when. Uh, okay, this is the part where uh, I didn't put it in here, but this is where Ship goes to talk to Carl and basically kind of yeah beat him. Marge talks to to Shep and he's. She basically threatens him. Oh, you know, no, hey, I'm sorry. It's a little bit later. Hey, she she yeah. basically threatens him. You know, uh, looks like you may have been involved with the uh, crime here, uh, mm-hmm. local homicide. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we see you're on parole. It could be uh, kind of revoking your parole. would be involved mm-hmm. with these people. Yeah. He's a very Yeah, he's like, I've seen something on your record, but nothing in the law of kidnapping or homicide, homicide or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And that sends him off. Yeah, and this is the next part after this. Actually, is this is where Marge meets meets uh, Jerry. She goes to the dealership. Uh, she asks about the Tan Sierra, Tan Sierra, um, and Jerry won't answer. He's just kind of like smiling at her, like making small talk and not even really, really doing what she's talking about. So, um, and uh, and then here we have uh, Marge meets up with uh, Mike Yanagita at the Radisson. And you, you realize they must have been high school friends. Yeah, they were in the same school. class or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because uh, uh, he gives her like kind of a nickname for Norm, her husband's Norm, son of a Gunderson. Son of a Gunderson. Yes. Yeah, Norm, son of a Gunderson. She married Norm, son of a Gunderson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they're they're talking about how uh, he's talking about how his uh, he she's asking about Lindy Cooksey. It's like yeah, well. It, you know, it's not that it didn't work out. She had leukemia. You know, she fought really, but uh, she had leukemia and she uh, died. Yeah, yeah. And and also, he wanted to sit on the same side of the booth as her. Yeah, she's no. I guess so. no. I just ah oh, no. I just want to see you. Just want to be able to see you better. You know. I think she got the the vibes though. Oh, she did. She did for sure. But she was just like, no. I just want to be able to see you better. And uh, the uh, um, the. Uh, the, him having that accent, right? Being Asian, yeah, yeah. Having that was Minnesota still funny as hell, right? Right. It was like, see, you're such a super lady, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you get to the next scene is uh, you see Carl with the prostitute at the Jose Feliciano show, yes. And uh, Carl says, an escort, right? Right. Yeah. How long have you worked for the escort? Sir? A couple months. Yeah. You really like to work? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. She <laughs> says. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> and they, Carl says, "I'm just in on, in town on business, just a little the old in and out, little in and out." Um, 
and they're uh, they're in the room uh, having sex, and you hear her saying, "Come on, come on! I hear bells! I hear bells!" <laughs> <laughs> That's when Shep breaks in, and uh, Carl says, "Shep, what the hell are you doing? I'm banging that girl!" And uh, Shep is choking Carl, then he's beating him with a belt, um, and uh, yeah. And he goes chases uh, chases the girl down the down the hallway, kicks her in the ass, um, and uh, yeah. There's some other guy in the hallway sees him there, and they have a tussle. He yeah, him in the wall a couple of times. Then yeah, he comes in and takes his belt off and starts beating the crap out of. Yeah, yeah, Carl. Yeah, and uh, <coughs> so Carl calls uh, calls Jerry to meet up for the money, um, but uh, Wade leaves with the money instead. So Wade's going to meet up with Carl. Um, they get to the meeting. Carl and Wade are there. And uh, he says, no gene, no money. And uh, Carl's like, basically, who the hell are you? Uh, Carl shoots Wade. And you hear him say, oh, geez. <laughs> so even even as he's dying, he's doing that that accent. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Um, and uh, Wade laying on the ground shoots Carl in the jaw. Uh, so he's bleeding like crazy. Uh Coffin's back and Ben Ben empties his gun into him. Yeah, yeah. And then that's where you see Jerry driving through the parking garage. Um, Jerry passes Carl, sees Wade dead. Uh, Carl's leaving the garage and, uh, you know, same toll booth. The toll booth guy's there again. And not not the same guy, a different toll booth right, guy. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. And and you realize this could go wrong. Then we get back to Jerry. Jerry's leaving. And then something odd happens. Yeah. And Jerry pops his trunk. But we don't see what it, why he pops it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think anywhere in the movie do we get back to the reason why he popped the trunk. Yeah. Um, and then when he comes back down driving out, he, he comes up and he sees that the gate's been smashed through. Yeah. And he drives slowly past the booth and the toll booth guy's been shot. Yeah. Killed. Yeah. But why did he pop the trunk? Uh, he put uh, he put Wade in there. Uh, I think so. But they didn't show that. And they never came back around to we found yeah. Wade in his trunk or anything like that, did they? Right, right. You're right. So there was like a that's probably what it was, but they rarely came back around to it. Right. I think it was just yeah. You're right. They, they should have made a bigger deal about it because he was trying to prolong people finding out. I guess yes. what's going on or something. Yeah. yeah. So he put weight in there. Yeah. And, we'll and back, that would hmm? background for this. Mr. Lundegaard. Sorry to bother you again. Can I come in? Yeah, no, I'm kind of I'm uh, kind of busy here. I understand. I'll keep it real short then. I'm on my way out of town, but I was wondering. Do you mind if I sit down? Carrying a bit of a load here. No. I... Yeah, it's this vehicle I asked you about yesterday. I was just wondering. Yeah, like I told you, we haven't had any vehicles go missing. Okay. Are you sure? Because, I mean, how do you know? Because he, the crime I'm investigating, the perpetrators were driving a car with dealer plates, and they called someone who works here, so it'd be quite a coincidence if they weren't, you know, connected. Yeah, I see. So, how do you... Have you done any kind of inventory recently? The car's not from our lot, ma'am. But how do you know that for sure without doing a... Well, I would know. I'm the executive sales manager. Yeah, but I understand. We run a pretty tight ship here. I know, but, well, how did they establish that, sir? I mean, are the cars counted daily, or what kind of a routine here? Ma'am, I answered your question. I'm sorry, sir? Ma'am, I answered your question. I answered the darn... I'm cooperating here. 
and there, uh, there's no. Uh, Sir, you have no call to get snippy with me. I'm just doing my job here. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not arguing here. I'm cooperating, and there's no. We're doing all we can. Sir, could I talk to Mr. Gustafson? Mr. Lundegaard. Well, heck, if you want to, if you want to play games here, I'm working with you on this thing here. But okay, I'll do a damn luck count. Sir, right now? Yeah, right now. You're darn tootin'. So damn important to you. I'm sorry, sir. Ah, oh, what the crazy. Back here on the podcast talking about the movie, Fargo. Um, and, uh, you betcha. Yeah. And uh, this movie, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 94. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely even a little lower than I expect for this movie, honestly. 94. You would think a little higher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the budget, uh, $7 million. Um, Box office fifty one million, uh, and box office for inflation eighty five million. Seven x seven times. Yeah, so it did it did very well um, for sure. Um, and uh, now this movie, I'm talking awards in this section. Uh, yeah, there's awards here for sure. Um, an Oscar for McDormand, lead actress. An Oscar for the screenplay. Uh, nomination for Best Picture, uh, nomination for Macy for Supporting Actor, nomination for Director, nomination for Cinematography, nomination for Editing. Uh, Golden Globes, uh, nominations. These are all nominations. Best Picture, Comedy or Musical, nomination Director, nomination for McDormand, and nomination for Screenplay. Uh, BAFTA, winner for Director. Uh, nomination for film, screenplay, actress, cinematography, and editing. The SAG Awards, Screen Actors Guild, winner uh, for lead actress, McDormand. Nomination for supporting actor for Macy. Uh, also won a Saturn Award for best action adventure thriller. Um, wow. I guess you know, I think of sci-fi when I think Saturn Awards, but it's and a not, thriller. Not this movie. Right. It's a thriller, but it's not a, you know, definitely not horror, but, you know, whatever. Parts, I guess. Although Saturn has been primarily uh, sci-fi, I do think they like to look at other genre movies. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Casting um, their net. Mm-hmm. Um, at Cannes, it won Best Director, and it was nominated for the Palme d'Or. Um, and uh, I remember the controversy of the talk about Macy being considered a supporting actor, McDormand the lead actress as far as screen time. Because I think Macy actually has a little more screen time than her. Um so I remember that controversy wow. of, of, you know, because they can kind of do whatever they want. And, but yeah, I remember the talk about this doesn't really make sense kind of thing as far as the screen time goes. I think a lot of times the lead actor goes to the hero of the story. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, they're driving force of good, so to speak. Right. Right. Which, you know, I think a lot of people think they, they did put Macy in supporting because just because they felt like he'd have a much better chance of winning. And that's why they did it probably. Um, this movie on the IMDb all-time movies list, uh, number one seventy-six, and um, 
the AFI, the original AFI list that came out in 1998, this is in the top 100 movies of all time, number 84. This, that list was in 1998? The original. Just a few years after the movie came out? Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Less impressive, the fact that it's not on the newest list. The oh. 2007 list, it did not make the list. So, um, you know, the fact that it made it two years after it came out means people really thought a lot about this movie. Um, but as time gone by, yeah. it's gone by, obviously other movies have been made yeah. to get on the list. Yeah. And probably yeah. perceptions of this movie have been yes. downgraded. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when you first saw this movie? Saw in the theater when it came out? Me too. Uh, it was, I was a, I'm a big Cohen fan. Mm-hmm. And this was at the height of their Cohenness. Mm-hmm. So, boom, I was there. Yeah. Um, when I saw the trailer for this movie at whatever other movie I was watching at the time, that, that theme, that white, that snow, like, like oh, yeah, I got to see this movie. And I remember going to see this movie. And I remember where I saw, I saw it at Terra Theater. You saw it at Terra? Yeah, here in Atlanta, which still does have, has a reputation of having typically – Party movies, ones that don't necessarily play everywhere. Now, Fargo, as it went on, certainly got played in a lot of theaters, but yeah. at the beginning, it probably was not uh, in every theater. Um, because of the accents, because of the, the way the story develops. Right. You can see it being non traditional. Yes. Yeah. Which Tara right. definitely was right. highly favorite. Yes, and for those of you listening, you know, Tara, we're in Atlanta. Tara, T-A-R-A, as in Going with the Wind. Yes. Reference. Uh, Tara Theater. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I saw it when I was in theaters and loved it the first time I saw it, for sure. Most yeah. of the odd movies that I've seen here in Atlanta in the theater were Tara. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, yeah, this movie was released March 8th, 1996. Uh the same day this came out, uh, the movie Birdcage came out, huh. which I also loved. It was from as as far as then, as far as in theater, as far as one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in theater. Birdcage is in the top five. And you followed your seat laughing? Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. Like the first time I saw it, like unbelievable. Um, I don't think it's as good now, but you know, man, it was just really funny then. Um, other movies in theaters at the same time, Dumb Periscope, Happy Gilmore, From Dust Till Dawn, Sergeant Bilko, Primal Fear, Fear and Fear, and the MST3K movie. Uh, which which one of those did you see in theaters? Oh, let me see the list again here. Where is that, where's that list right there? Mm-hmm. Down. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn, I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. And... I'm really say that I saw none of those, nor had any desire to see any yeah. of those other movies in the theater. Yeah. Um, none of them uh, appealed to me. I saw Fargo, of course. I saw Birdcage. Uh, I saw Down Periscope in theaters. With Kelsey Grammer? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Lauren Holly. Not, not great. Um, I think I saw... Happy, I don't know if I saw Happy Gilmore in theaters. I don't think I did. I, I know I did not. I did see from Vestal Dawn in theaters. I did see Sergeant Bilko in theaters, which was even worse than Down Periscope. You know, I might have seen Sergeant Bilko <laughs> yeah. in theaters because I'm thinking, hey, Steve Martin movie. And uh, I've locked it from my head. Yeah. And I saw the the, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie in theater, too. I did not see Primal Fear or Fear. No. In the theaters. I've seen them since then. Which one's the Marky Mark one? 
uh, fear. Fear. I finally watched fear that. Norton. I finally watched the Marky Mark one about a year ago. It was pretty good, actually. Yeah. But, um, both, both those movies are actually good. It's just yeah. at the time I was not interested in either yeah. The MST3K movie I saw in theaters, I remember seeing it at, uh, it was either at Linux, not Linux, but Phipps. It was at Phipps, Phipps Plaza. And not many people saw that in theaters, but I did. It was it was like another episode. <clears throat> MST3K is a television event. Right. Yeah. It was like another episode. It wasn't, you know. Although one of the funniest things I've seen lately for 2020, <clears throat> those of you who will remember the year 2020 as mm-hmm. kind of a wild and crazy year, is a set of glasses that you would put on in the little corner where the, <laughs> where the characters watching 2020. So as you're looking at the glasses, there they are in the corner. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Um, now, I forgot to do this on the last episode, but we're starting to do a regular thing, which, including Fargo. Which one of these movies have you seen the most times, do you think? Oh, Fargo. Far yeah, away. Far me away. too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I mean, yeah. I've seen From Nest Till Dawn a few times. Uh, that would probably be second on my list. I think I've seen all of them once, except mm-hmm. the MST3K movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really remember too much of many of them. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen Happy Gilmore a handful of times. Um, you know, but yeah, it was definitely Fargo for sure. Um, so the director of this movie, the Cohen Brothers, um, so yeah, they've done a few movies. They've done a few. Um, they do very. We've already done Raising Arizona right here. Yeah, on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, and there's uh, at least two more um, Cohen Brothers Cohen. movies on the podcast. At least two more. I'm, I'm assuming Miller's Crossing no. is one of them. No. Yeah. You know, Hudsucker Proxy must be one of them. Actually, I like Hudsucker Proxy a lot, but no. Miller's Crossing is probably a great movie that I, the first time I watched it, I just wasn't into it, but it's probably great and I probably would love it. I just I thought Burn After Reading was overrated. I thought Burn After Reading was an odd yeah. movie. I just thought it was overrated. I think it would have been better without Clooney and Pitt. Yeah. I think this pulled out. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> now, like, uh, well, Brother Rarthel is probably on your list. Uh, yes. I think, uh, yes. Um, so, you know, there Clooney's playing more of a character and, mm. and a little more, you know, suspension of disbelief of whether or not he is or isn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, um, and you know, I finally watched about a year ago, uh, A Serious Man. That's pretty good. Uh-huh. That Con Brothers movie. That's pretty good. Um, not on my list, but it's a good movie. Um, and, um, I know there's, you know, I meant to list it, but there's a, definitely a kidnapping theme in a lot of Coen Brother movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> blood Simple on down. Yeah. Yes. I mean, blood Simple, uh, Raising Arizona, um, Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski. Um, it's like six or seven of them have kidnapping in them. So. I wonder what happened in their lives to make them focus so much. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's an odd thing here in the credits. Uh, the man in the field in the credits, his name is listed as the Prince symbol. I did not understand. Yeah. The man in the field. Just, I think, the, the guy that gets shot in the field. Oh, uh, the, the car, the driver? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just listed as the Prince symbol in the credits. Okay. It's just some weird thing they did. It's in Minnesota and whatever. It might have been one of them. Right. right. It probably was one of the Brooklyn brothers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And um, it's just a weird thing um, they did for, to, make, to make people laugh. Now, um, I'm sure you know who 
played Steve Yanagita, right? Steve Yanagita. Yeah, Steve Yanagita. The Japanese guy that what was his name Mike? No, who who plays him? What was the actor's name? Oh, uh I, Mike Yanagita, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mike Yanagita. Yeah. In, in, in case it escapes me. No. Right. It's Steve Park again. Ah, our good man Steve Park. Okay. Yeah. You had mentioned he'd be in another movie. Yeah. This okay. is the last one, I think, pretty sure. So we've already seen him. He's the Japanese business, whatever you want to call him, engineer in this movie. He was the uh, Japanese cop in Falling Down. He was the Korean store owner in Do the Right Thing. He's the Korean store owner in uh, Quick Change. Um, and I mentioned because his wife was in uh, Field of Dreams also, first time I mentioned. Um, I think he's he's going to be our ongoing, uh, I have a name an award after him, the Steve Park Award um, for when we come up with, every movie we come up with a recurring character. Recurring, who's, recurring, a recurring actor. actor who's been, already been in several movies. Yeah. Um, this and is probably the winner of the one. Steve Park Award for this movie. Is. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's going to be somebody who's in, been in several movies. Because, man, he's in. <laughs> we will try to hit that for a couple movies. Yeah. Maybe not every movie, but, you know. Yeah, I'm going to look for it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, if Lyman Award pops up in three or four more movies or mm -hmm. when John King makes his fifth yeah. uh, cameo, you know, right, right. down the line. Right. Um, and the, the the tagline for this movie, uh, a homespun murder story. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pretty good tagline. Uh, the Bechdel Test. Uh, you know, um So uh, Marge does talk to uh, the girls. Right. And I think she gets their names. I'm not too sure. They are talking about, basically, she's interviewing them about two of the male characters. Right. So it's not like they're talking about anything else right. other than, right. than that. Right. <clears throat> um, Jean doesn't no. interact with any other females. No. Um, we don't really see it. Too many other females except the escort. Yeah. Doesn't pass it at all. No, it doesn't. No. It doesn't. Because there's no one else really female wise. That's... You, you think that, uh, I think the close thing is, is Mars saying, hey, can we come with those skin things when she's walking in mm -hmm. to the police station? But we don't know who she's talking to, really. We don't meet that character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear female voice saying, hey, Mars, hey, can we come with those skin hair things? Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. You're um, right. But uh, since we don't actually see that person on, on screen, or we learn their name, it doesn't pass. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't pass the Bechdel. Uh, I would have figured, you know, being a technically a lead actress in this movie as a, as a woman, but still. <laughs> um, oh, no. Yeah. Um, now, we left with uh, Jerry uh, leaving the garage um, after he saw that Carl, had, he doesn't know, for, well, he knows it. Carl shot up the uh, toll booth guy um, and uh, the parking garage guy. Um, now, there's a scene here where uh, there's a cop uh, interviewing a guy. Yeah. And we turn out, we find out it's the guy who was telling him about the uh, the cabin or whatever. Yeah. You know, on Moose Lake or whatever. Now, they talk about where they can find some women too or whatever. Now, the guy, the cop with the hood, it's, it's way over covering his face, like way out front. First time I saw this movie, I thought, and I was wrong, but I thought that was 
there's one of the other criminals like trying to get information or something. He comes out of the vehicle and you can see his face and he puts the hood up over as right. he's coming out. So it's not like he's, you don't know it just, he's... it felt like, it felt like they were trying to cover up and you were going to see his face. And no, I, I got to me, it did. Was, 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 they wanted to, uh, I get more information that someone knows that they're up at the lake, probably Moose Lake. But mm -hmm. then there's also, Oh yeah. The little one was funny looking. What kind of funny looking? Oh, you know, just generally the, almost the exact same yeah. thing. The girl. Right. Saying, right. Right. You know? And yeah, that, that scene to me just, it felt like the guy with the hood was like, it was a plan of like, it was going to be somebody trying to get inside, get the information or something. And it was, it was a cop, but I don't know. It just felt to me like they were trying to uh, play a game with you. Um, and uh, now we see Carl uh, looking at the money that he stole from Wade. That he got from Wade. Uh, you see him burying the suitcase in the snow. And you see him, and it's near the fence, and you see him look for like miles in one direction and miles in the other direction, and everything looks the same. Everything's covered with snow. Fence looks the same. And he decides that's a good place to bury it. Not only is he not buried, he just buries it under the snow. He doesn't even bury it in the ground. The thing is that he, he sticks the red um, scraper there yeah. to mark it. Right. And he's walking away, all good thing goes, why well, one good snow comes along, he'll never find nothing. Right, right, exactly. Right, and he's also he's not even buried in the ground; it's just in the snow. Like so, even if he doesn't find it later on, somebody right. find it. Yeah, and there was a um, there was a I can't remember what it was, but I think it was season one or maybe season two of the Fargo TV show that um, they they went back to that spot for something, and I can't remember exactly what happened. It's been a while, but it definitely goes back to that spot. Um, and. Uh, and you, well, you do hear uh, you hear Mar Marge talking on the phone about Mike Yanagita's wife. Well, it wasn't his wife, but uh, her friend says, "Yeah, Mike was basically a stalker." Yeah, they were never married. Yeah, she's still alive, right? They were never together, right? Right. He sends mental issues. Yeah, she says you should call her. And yeah, she's doing great. You know, and, so her uh, instincts on him were spot on. Yeah, we realize how creepy that scene is now. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, and uh, you see Marge at the Hardee's drive-thru. Uh, you keep making jokes about how much she eats all the time. Um, and uh, this is where Marge goes back to confront Jerry at the dealership. And, like, looking for the, the burnt ember Sierra. Um, he's like, are you sure? And she's asking him, basically, do you know why? You know if it's here? Why don't you know? You know? Um, and Jerry's real defensive. I answered your question. I'm cooperating here. Um, yeah, and he's like, uh, "Okay, I'll do a damn law count," and uh, puts on his jacket, and uh, you know, yeah, he's obviously uh, hiding something. She knows it, right, right. And then uh, she sees him driving away. Mm -hmm. She goes, "Oh yeah. my god!" He goes, "He's fleeing the interview." Yeah, and he, she's he's fleeing the interview. And she's talking to nobody. He's fleeing the interview. Fleeing the interview. Yeah, and she's trying to dial out with a phone or whatever. Fleeing the interview. Um. And uh, Carl walks in to see Gare, and this is where he's, he's been shot in the jaw, right? So he's bleeding everywhere. He says, you should see the other guy. <laughs> in this case, it actually is a legitimate uh, yeah. thing. Like, yeah, the other guy's dead. So um, when you come back in, you see Gene is dead. Um, and what happened there? Oh, well, what's the reason? Oh, she started, she started uh, whining too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and... Uh, 
and uh, Carl says, "Here's half the money." We'll, and uh, Gary says, "We'll split the Sierra." I was like, "I'm, you know, I'm taking the Sierra. You take the truck. We split the Sierra." You, you, one of us pays the other for half of it. Right, right. How, how do you split it? He should have just paid him again. Right, his, right. his chintziness. Right. Says, what? I want the Sierra. Well, I, well I'm not going to pay you for half of the Sierra. You know, it costs X amount of money. You, yeah. You should have bargained for it and made him. A, also, a, who wants the Sierra when it's a, it's people are looking for it too? <laughs> that wasn't a good idea yeah. either. That was pretty stupid. I wouldn't want the. I would want the whatever the other vehicle was yeah. in that case. I was taking the truck. Gotta get the money. Right. Get out of town. Right. Um, and this is where uh, Gare uh, basically takes Actually, the Actually, what I would have done was I probably would have gone in there. I would Before I went in there and gave him his money, I would have disabled the Sierra, mm-hmm. got in the truck, gave mm-hmm. him the money, said, I'm going to get something out of the Sierra. I got in the truck, driven away so that he couldn't follow you. Yeah. And go get the money and go live a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Or find a good doctor. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to be around Gare much. He's a little unstable. Yeah. yeah. So this is where Gare uh, axes Carl. Just comes behind him with an axe, and uh, he, Carl's dead. Um, so then you see uh, Marge driving around the lake, and she sees the Tan Sierra. She's like, Tan Sierra, Tan Sierra. Um, she walks up. You hear the wood chipper going, and then you see the foot in the wood chipper. So Carl. The, the big spray of blood yeah. out of it, all the yeah. blood coming out of it. Yeah. You see uh, Gare. Mm-hmm. Trying to push the foot down. Right, right. And it's a great scene where, you know, the woodchipper's loud, obviously, so she doesn't hear him saying police. The great scene where she points her badge. That's great. That's just a it's a little little thing, but it's just a great iconic like she points to the badge. So Gare's Gare goes running under the lake and uh, Marge shoots him in the leg. And uh so you see uh Marge driving him. Uh he's in the back and uh um, no, just before that. Mm-hmm. I almost thought it was the end of the movie the first time I saw it because mm-hmm. the next scene before she talks to him in the car is a mirror of the first scene. Mm-hmm. The whiteout, the fence on the side, barely visible. Mm-hmm. And usually when you open a movie, you might close it with the same thing. Mm-hmm. But said there was a little bit after that, mm-hmm. her talking to him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Why'd you do it? Just for a little bit of money? Yeah. Ain't worth it. Yeah. Well, she says... Uh, so that was Miss Lindergaard on the floor in there, and uh, that was your accomplishing the wood chipper. And those three people in Brainerd. There's more to life than a little money, don't you know? Don't you know that? Yeah. And here we are, and it's a beautiful day. I love that she says it's a beautiful day. It's still like just snow everywhere, you know, for their standards, I guess. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful day. Um, so then you see the cops uh, outside of a motel in Bismarck. Um, they're knocking on the door, and the manager's there waiting with the, with the key. And Jerry says, yeah, just a second. Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Since you Mr. Anderson, your car off something, we'd like to talk to you. Oh, just a minute to be right there. Hold yeah. On. Yeah. And uh, so the manager has to unlock the door and then the police barge in and uh, Jerry's trying to climb out the bathroom window. He's got like his underwear on yeah. or long johns or something. And he's yelling and screaming. No. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you see uh, Marge and Norman bed and uh, Norman painted a stamp that's a sta- uh, wildlife stamp that's going to be on the the three cent stamp. The three cent stamp. Oh, it's only going to be a three cent stamp. The other, the other people, they're going to be on a twenty nine mm-hmm. cent stamp. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, that's important. You know, when they raise the rates, that's everyone uh, uses three cent stamp. Yeah, everyone's using three cent stamp. It's like oh yeah. So, so I was reading uh, that uh, those two actors were uh, encouraged to create backstories for the characters. Mm-hmm. And one of the backstories was that they were both police officers and they met. Yeah, police officers, and that they decided that. Uh, 
uh, only one of them should remain a police officer in case, you know, something happened or at least right. they could raise a family. Right. And she was a better officer, so he stepped back to become a painter. Yeah. 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 Really interesting stuff. Yeah. And, um, and then uh, we'll be back right after this. You might need a little warm-up. Thanks a bunch. So what's the deal now? Carrie says triple homicide? Yeah, it looks pretty bad. Two of them are over here. Where is everybody? Well, it's cold, Margie. Watch your step, Margie. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Here's the second one. It's in the head and the hand there. I guess that's a defensive wound. Oh, yeah. Where's the state trooper? Back there, a good piece in the ditch next to his prowler. Okay. So we got a trooper pull someone over. We got a shooting. These folks drive by. There's a high-speed pursuit. Ends here, and then this execution type deal. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if our suspect was from Brainerd. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. From his footprint, he looks like a big fella. You see something down there, Chief? No, I just think I'm gonna barf. Jeez. You okay, Margie? Yeah, I'm fine. It's just morning sickness. Well, that passed. Yeah? Yeah, now I'm hungry again. You have breakfast yet, Margie? Oh, yeah. More made some eggs. Yeah? Well, what now do you think? Let's go take a look at that trooper. Can you crack a fucking window open there? You know, it's proven that secondhand smoke is uh, causing the, the, you know, cancer rate. Hey, look at that, Twin Cities. It's the IDS building, the big glass one. It's all a skyscraper in the Midwest after the uh, Sears and uh, Chicago or John Hancock building, whatever. You never been to Minneapolis? Nope. Would it kill you to say something? I did. No. It's the first thing you've said in the last four hours. That's a... That's a fountain of conversation, man. That's a geyser. I mean, whoa, Teddy, stand back, man. Shit. I'm sitting here driving. Doing all the driving, man. Whole fucking way from Brainerd, driving. Just trying to... Chat. You know... Keep our spirits up, fight the boredom of the road, and you can't say one fucking thing just in the way of conversation. Oh, fuck it. I don't have to talk either, man. See how you like it. Just total fucking silence. Two could play at that game, smart guy. We'll just see how you like it. 
We're back here on the podcast talking about the movie Fargo and um, time to play the game we play here most of the time called Last Man Stanton. Uh, we're going to name an actor and we're going to take turns naming movies they've been in. TV shows don't count um, and uh, TV movies don't count. If they directed, that counts. And uh, voiceovers, voice, voiceovers voice count, count. Documentaries yeah. count as long as it's uh, in theaters. Yeah. Um, cartoons, whatever. Um and uh, this week we're gonna, in honor of Fargo, we're gonna do uh, Steve Buscemi. Is the name Carl Showalter? Yeah. So. Let you start it off there. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Fargo. Oh, that was the one. I, the one I knew for sure. Yeah. Um, Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Reservoir Dogs. Oh, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should do that one. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, we did do that one, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just stalling for time. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Portrait of Serial Killer. Hmm. Didn't know he was in that one. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, Con Air. Mm, the wedding singer. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Mr. Deeds. I wish you know more of his work, mm-hmm. but there's certain directors I can look at. Oh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, Um, Trees Lounge. What? Is that the correct title? I think it is. It is. He actually directed it too. I have no idea what that is. I, I've never seen it. I remember that it came out like right after Fargo. And that's the only reason I remember it. Like, oh, okay. He's... Uh, I'm at the end of my Bushimiism. So. You sure? Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff out there for him. Yeah. I just thought of one more. I know lately, but in the TV show Empire, not Empire, uh, Boardwalk. Right. Empire, he was also in Sopranos for, for yeah, a while. But uh, I don't know the movie stuff. I know that he was in like five more Adam Sandler movies. But I'm, uh, not exactly I'm sure, sure he was in one too. And I, I just can remember anyone that specifically say, I remember his little character in that. The one I just thought of to win was uh, Ghost World. Is it Ghost World? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> it was based on a comic book, Daniel Clowns. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was uh, Scott Johansson and... Uh, Thor Birch? Yeah, Thor Birch. Mm-hmm. Just heard... Someone was just talking about her. Oh. One oh. podcast was talking about... Uh, Thor Birch? Yeah, because they were talking about uh, Hocus Pocus, because she was in that. And they were saying Thor Birch's parents were both uh, porn stars. Both of them. 
which I hadn't heard before, but I yeah. heard that either. Yeah. Um, so who's your guy in this movie? Uh, who's my guy? Uh, believe it or not, uh, Carl Showalter, Steve Buscemi okay. just talked about. Man, what a great performance uh, as a sleazy, hot-headed, stupid lunkhead. Mm-hmm. Got himself in more trouble than he needed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought Buscemi did a great job mm-hmm. pulling that character along and putting him in the wrong situation and then meeting his bitter end. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I want to pick the escort. Um he uh, that goes to the Jose, Jose Feliciano show. <laughs> it's like I've never been here. It's real fancy. Just her, like her, her whole attitude of, you know, what the hell are you talking about? And um, it's I don't know. She just she does a good job at what she does, which isn't a lot in this movie, but it's pretty funny. I like her, whatever her name was, the escort. Um, so who's the villain in this movie? Um, the villain is Jerry. Yeah. Jared's the one that uh, creates all the havoc, mm-hmm. sets everything in motion, mm-hmm. pulls it all along. Although he doesn't uh, pull the trigger, mm-hmm. he's the one that puts the trigger in place. Yeah. All because of his own misdeeds. Yeah. His own failings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, he does try to thwart the investigation by Marge, mm-hmm. um, both by being uh, evasive and then by just running. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree. Jerry's the. I mean, there's several villains, but he's he's yeah. the villain. Uh, the most uh, bloodthirsty of them all, obviously, was uh, Gare. Gare. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Buscemi right behind there. Yeah. But uh, but uh, the actual villain piece is, is definitely Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But does he make the top ten? Who's on the top ten right now? Oh yeah, the top ten list uh, currently. Uh, just for those who are tuning in for the first time, we we have a top ten villains list. It's a recurring. Uh, based on all the movies we've done so far, which were nearly at 50 movies. Uh, these are the current top 10 villains, starting at number 10. Rusty Nail from Joyride. D. Fens from Falling Down. Buddy from Baby Driver. The Thing from The Thing. Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Rick Top from Snatch. Nino Brown from New Jack City. Uh, the Xenomorph from Alien. Nurse Ratched from Cuckoo's Nest. Hannibal Lecter from The Silence of the Lambs. You know, initially I was going to say that he would not make the list. Now I'm wondering if he is somewhere on that list because, you know, the whole initial thing was about kidnapping his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps he didn't intend for her to die, but he intended bad things to happen. Yeah. All because of bad things he'd already done. Right. Um, and he definitely tried to lie to everyone along the way to get his way. Mm-hmm. Very ineffective. Yes. Because he's, you know, bad at it. Yeah. But, uh, hmm, Rusty Nail... And defense, and and then buddy. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think he's probably more evil than buddy, right? Uh, you know, I think he's gonna make the list. I think he's gonna top Rusty Nail, who is uh, a little more off camera than on yeah, camera, right? Um, and I would put him definitely on the bottom. Definitely not the thing from the thing. Buddy, buddy's a little more proactive. I put him above. Uh, Jerry, mm-hmm. but Defense was more put upon. I I put him above Defense, between okay. Buddy and Defense. All right. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and it has more to do with his his intentions, which were not good to begin with. 
You yeah. know, he didn't intend people to die, but his people were dying around him, including his wife. Um, he still tried to run. Yeah. 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 You're right. I hadn't thought about it before, but yeah, he's pretty. He's not like, he's not like, uh, you know, the devil evil, but he's definitely in the bad side of human evil. Yeah. Yeah. He is. It's true. So, uh, Rusty Nail is gone. Rusty Nail from a very, very, very early episode. Yes. Rusty Nail from Joyride is gone. Um, also, if you people haven't uh, listened to watch that movie or listened to that episode, it's great. Joyride. Yes. Joyride with two words. Um, it's the one with Paul Walker in it. So, there's a couple different versions. So, um, so time to talk about uh, the list. Uh, where would it be on your list? Uh, I love the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely put this on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in the top half. Mm-hmm. Probably in the 40s. The 40s? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So where do you think it is on my list? Well, you like the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. Let me look at the list that we have mm-hmm. here. I was close, but not close enough on the last movie. Um, planes, trains, automobiles. Put that in the right place. So where would I put this? Okay, what do I think would be overall for you? There are other Coen Brother movies out there that probably be on your list. Uh, I think they'd be higher. There's room all over the place, but I still think this is going to be on the low end of your list. But we have we don't have too many in the sixties and fifties. I'm going to put it somewhere in the fifties. Fifty-two. You'd say fifty-two. Yeah. Fourteen. Oh wow, much higher up. Yeah, than I would have thought. Fourteen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this one. Uh, this one I love. So, what puts it so high on this? I mean, I mean, I love this the first time I saw it, and it's never, it's never gone down, never, never gone down in my opinion. It's still great. Uh, it's funny as hell. It's a great, great script, great story. Is it the highest ranking Coen Brothers movie on your list? No. Good. Now I have a little information no. there. Because no. that's 14. There's not too many numbers above 14, and no. some of them have already been taken. Yeah. Raising Arizona has already been taken. No, 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 no. There are, I think, it, two more Coen Brother movies on Oh, yeah, the yeah, 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 and, yeah. But as for the number 14, you're talking about the, the only, have been taken. there are right, four right. numbers below 14. Right, right. So mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a ten percent chance. I got a mm-hmm. I got a five percent chance of getting the Coen Brothers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna say. Uh, so we talk about what did make the list. Um. We already kind of talked about this. What other Coen Brother movies that did make the list? Yeah. I I, I actually like Hudsucker Proxy a lot, yeah. although it's it's not liked by too many people. I don't think. I like when it came out. Uh, yeah. But I liked all the people in it too. The only thing I didn't like was. Jennifer Jason Leigh's accent really kind of threw me off. Mm-hmm. Threw me out of her character. I didn't believe yeah. it as much as I thought I should. Yeah. Um, but everyone else, I mean, Tim Robbins, Paul Newman, yeah. they did such good work. Yeah. Uh, even Bruce Charles Campbell. Durning. Bruce Campbell out of nowhere. Yeah. In the, in the movie. Yeah. it's it was, I love it. I mean, and Miller's Crossing is one of those movies that a lot of people talk about now. A lot of people. And I should revisit it because it's probably great and I just didn't recognize it. Uh, Barton Fink. Uh, something people talk about a lot, and same thing. Only watched it once. I probably didn't pay enough attention. 
Um, the only thing I really know about Barton Fink, I, I did see it when it came out in the theater. It was a really odd movie. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, they were having trouble writer's block with Miller's Crossing. Yeah. And so they to work out their writer's block, they came up with Barton Fink, which mm-hmm. is about a writer having right. writer's block. Right, right. Uh, and then they they populated that movie with all their favorite actors, you know, in this part and that part. Yeah. And uh, basically worked out the kinks. Um, they did it after Miller's Crossing was finished. Yeah. They worked out the kinks to work. To, uh, to get to uh, the ending of Lewis Crossing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, but a lot of good Coen Brothers movies out there for sure. Um, so it's time to talk about plugs. Um, Paul, what do you have to plug? Uh, I'm going to plug this podcast. Okay. Uh, while you're listening, uh, share with your friends, download it if you're your favorite uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know anyone from uh, another state, another country, another planet that would like to listen to our podcast, uh, send them a link, mm-hmm. leave a comment. And uh, if you know anyone in the Antarctica region of the world, mm-hmm. uh, get them to listen as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're going for that uh, seventh continent. Might be the first podcast to do it. No, probably not, but um, that we could say that anyway. So it's time to talk about what we're doing uh, next week. Now, next week, we're doing a movie because the sequel is actually coming out on Amazon Prime on December 18th. And the sequel, um, well, the original, for the original, you want to work a shift at McDowell's, let your soul glow, and sow your royal oats. That's right. Next week, we're talking about coming to America. Coming to America. Now, is the sequel going to be called coming to the number two America? Yes. Or, or is it coming to America too? It's coming to America. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's coming on Amazon Prime December 18th. This is going to drop uh, about a week and a half or so before that. Um, so you want to brush up on the original uh, before the sequel comes out. And so that's what we're, next week, uh, Coming to America uh, on 100 Movies I Love. 100 Movies You Love. So that was Mrs. Lundegaard on the floor in there. I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper. And those three people in Brainerd. And for what? For a little bit of money. There's more to life than a little money, you know. Don't you know that? And here you are. And it's a beautiful day. I just don't understand it.